and welcome. My name's Kirsty Rice and together with my co-host Nikki Moffat, we're the two fat expats. Now I'm currently grounded in Australia with my children while my husband is working in Qatar and Nikki is in Copenhagen with her family, which is where we find her today. Hello Nikki Moffat, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Kirsty Rice. Perhaps not quite as happy as you this weekend because <laughs> your littlest is home again. He is, he is. He's home and, um, yes, five weeks away on the monster camp of, um, oh, sounded gruelling, sounded gruelling but absolutely fantastic. But I'll talk to you maybe more about that in my three favourite things because it definitely was one of my favourite, favourite things of this week. Um, Nikki, how are things in Copenhagen? I know to give people the backstory, you were in um, Hamburg and uh, COVID uh, restrictions were fairly hot and heavy and then you got to uh, Copenhagen and said, my gosh, where am I? This is a mythical land where there are buffets and um, people kiss and um, hold, <laughs> shake hands and do all sorts of things. But I've got a feeling that things have changed just slightly uh, in your neck of the woods. How's it looking? Well, uh, yeah, so we we deleted all COVID restrictions because the government was operating under emergency conditions. So they implemented an emergency edict that said that they could do all these things, which made the restrictions when COVID happened initially. And they couldn't run the government like that forever, so they cancelled them. So we were without restriction at all. There was no corona pass, there was no vaccination checks, there was no testing requirements uh, nightclubs were open, the whole shebang. And then what has happened is our numbers have gone up significantly in the last uh, eight weeks. And also, unfortunately, hospitalizations have gone up. They have tripled in the same time period. So wow. hospitalizations is where the, the, the real concern is, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so Meta, the Prime Minister, went on TV and she said, look, you know, it's not good, people. It's not great. So what we are going to do is we're not going to declare another state of emergency because the governments can't operate like that and that takes away the rights of the people and the Danes big on their rights. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pass legislation in government and this is the kind of thing that we're going to pass, that we can ask for masks to be used on public transport when rates are over a certain amount or hospitalizations are over a certain amount, et cetera, et cetera. We'd like everyone to start wearing masks again just of your own accord. Haven't seen a lot of that on the streets. Um, <laughs> but then we, we'd also like to ask people, and and they have implemented this, is corona passes again. So yesterday my husband and I went for brunch and the place where we normally go, we had to get out our phones, which was quite easy, and show our corona pass before we could go inside the restaurant to sit down. What do you think the chances are of the Christmas markets going ahead in Europe this year, having just told us everything that you've told us? Yeah, so interestingly, the Christmas markets opened this weekend in Copenhagen and it's not quite as prolific as Hamburg. Like I can't look out my window. Like we live in sort of a, a little suburban centre, like a very inner sub- suburb. And in Hamburg I'd have my own Christmas market on the corner opposite me, I'm 100% sure. <laughs> so I'm a little bit disappointed that now I live in this very inner urban place that I don't. Uh, there's sort of three or four main ones in town and that you can 
go to and visit and I haven't been to them yet. So I don't know. I don't know what the rules are there. I had a quick Google today and I couldn't see, but as far as I know, it's just open as as normal. And then just as restrictions change, the, the market restrictions may change. However, in Hamburg, so of course, Hamburg has a lot of Christmas markets and a lot of, you know, and last year they set them all up and then they took them all down, which was very sad before they opened. So that was very difficult. But I, I saw this year, um, my friends shared the link with me of the markets and all the rules. And the best thing about Germany is because everyone says Germans don't have a sense of humor, but they've come up with this really funny thing that they, <laughs> so every <laughs> called 3G, which they've been doing for a while, not just to do with Christmas markets. So in Germany, everything or in German, uh, were anything in a past tense, many words start with GE. So the word for testing is testen, for example. But if you've been tested, it's getested. So you can be geimpft, which means vaccinated, getested, which is, means tested, or genesen, which is um, recovered, recovered from an illness. So the three Gs are tested, recovered, or or vaccinated. So um, that when they've put out all their rules for the Christmas markets, they've put them out with the point of view of, okay, this is going to run on 2G, which means you have to be vaccinated or recovered. We don't require – the third G is always the test. Mm -hmm. So vaccinated and recovered are sort of included as one thing and then testing is the three. So if it's 2G, it's always those two things and testing is the 3G. Now in the markets – in and around Hamburg, some of the bigger Christmas markets will have different rules. So, for example, if you're 2G, you can stand in the bar area and if you're not 2G, you can get have a to-go drink or food. <laughs> uh, but those who can't be vaccinated for medical purposes can show a negative PCR test. Aha. Uh -huh. And... And which is interesting to know because most of the tests that you have to do in Germany for shopping or whatever purposes are antigen tests, which are the quick tests. But it's PCR test is a test that takes a little bit longer to come back and it's considered to be like the absolute definitive answer. So if you have a rapid test and it's, it's positive, then you always have a PCR as a follow-up test. So um, kids are required to be tested at school quite often. So they're being tested a lot at school now. So they're not required to be tested additionally to go to the Christmas markets. I don't know whether that's a little bit of a problem on the Hamburg side because people do travel. Like it's not like <laughs> people do travel to go to the market. So the kids don't have to show their negative test. It's assumed that they're being tested at school. So they're okay to go in. Um, but anyway. So I so guess it, what you're I, saying is, yes, they'll be open, but there'll just be conditions on how to get there but they're not going to be non-existent this year that is where it's at right now yeah. but as i said last year they they wheeled them all out they set them all the little huts down around the city and then they came and picked them all up and took them yeah. away i don't know what does your gut tell you nikki about um how things are or is you are you as clueless as i am with um I'm as clueless as you are because I, I think that people honestly want them to go ahead, but I yeah. also think that, you know, they can't risk the health systems being overwhelmed if, mm. if the numbers go up too much. And so they could just call an early, an mm. early stop, but mm. I think they want to give as much leeway as possible to, to having it done. But, mm. but it's still at the end of the day, it's about protecting the public health systems. I mean, when the prime minister spoke here, she said that, you know, all the operations that were deferred during COVID have not yet been caught up. 
And so that is why new restrictions are going in place because it's her priority or the government's priority and the health system's priority to get through all the operations that should have been done, yes. elective or otherwise, that would um, to keep the rest of the population's health, you know, on track. So, yeah, I mean, that's where we're at. We don't really know. Okay. Now your Christmas question, Nikki. (laughs) Yeah, so my question to you is, or to both of us to consider is, what do we miss if we don't go home for Christmas? Okay, I would think the first thing is obviously the whole family situation, right? You can can family over Zoom, but, you know, they're never going to be able to niggle you as much as they could niggle you in person. (laughs) (laughs) Not um, enough time. Yes, yes. So obviously you're going to miss your family. But along with that, maybe you're going to miss all the drama that comes with that of reorganising whose house for breakfast, whose house for lunch, whose house for dinner, who's going to come here, who's going to go there. I have family driving to see me, I think, at lunchtime and perhaps we might even have people flying in by dinner time. We're not sure as yet. But we are having all those conversations that happen now, trying to get that planning organised and and in amongst COVID because we're not sure with borders opening on November 23rd how that looks with people flying in and out and whatever. For some it's a good thing, you know, as in those coming from New South Wales. Maybe if you were coming from Queensland it would be tougher, who knows? We're not sure yet. Um, but then... Obviously, with the sentimental part and if you move past the family part and if people were just coming home for that experience, you miss those traditions. So if you're looking for snow in Christmas, maybe you're not going to get it if you're staying in Asia. Or if you're missing your beach Christmas, maybe you're not going to get it if you're in Europe. And I think there is nothing quite like coming home at Christmas is there that that sense of um and Nikki I'm just so acutely aware as I'm saying this that you are not coming home for Christmas and this is the second year that you've had to do it and I know that you are a beach uh person (laughs) and so this is what makes it even harder because this is your chance right to come home and fill up fill up fill up your cup um Yes, so maybe if I just focus on all the bad things that would happen to you if you did come home for Christmas. <laughs> not at all, not at all. I th- I think it's I think it's important because it it's about what do we go home for. So, mm. you know, what are the rituals that we do when we go home? They're not necessarily just around Christmas, although you've mentioned a lot of them, Christmas and family and negotiating and timeframes. And if you're a Northern Hemisphere person going to the Southern Hemisphere at Christmas – then you're going back to a warm Christmas, a beach Christmas, a seafood lunch, etc., which Northern Hemisphere people don't understand and they don't even try to understand. <laughs> Christmas is not about the warm weather. Yes, it is. Sorry, but, but also if you're in Northern Hemisphere going to Southern Hemisphere, you don't have a a long break so you have either a short school break or a short work break because in the northern hemisphere that time is shorter whereas if you're in the southern hemisphere and you're going southern to southern hemisphere which we've done before like when we lived in south africa we would go for six weeks and so it's a totally different experience than if you're going for two weeks because you prioritize what you're doing and what you what you in the time frame so it's about what you want to actually do because different lengths of times mean different things and also at Christmas, 
people are, are tied up with their family. So if you're hoping to get together with that group of friends that you get together with every time you go home, et cetera, et cetera, those things might not happen if you're going for a shorter time frame. So, yeah, I mean, I just, but I think now people are feeling the missing more because it's, mm. even though we would only go every second year, so this would be our year that we would be going home. Yes. So although we didn't go last year, it was the fact that we couldn't go that made it feel bad, but we yeah. wouldn't have normally gone on a regular time frame. But this this one hurts more, I have to say. But it, it, I don't know, it's just, there are many things you miss, like the family, the family part of it, but it's like, the smell of the ocean, you know, the walking, the the the, the very late sunset, the the feel of sun on your skin, just the warmth, you know, like you know that feeling. <laughs> I can't even Christmas carols um, in the, I think it was called the Maya Music Bowl, but you know, watching those things on television in Australia that you would usually see and that lead up and all those um summer christmas decorations that yes i know it must seem so strange for those who are used to the winter and the whole winter thing but you know we do have the beauty of having a summer celebration so it's all those summer fruits and you know nikki i can feel it now in that um because I'm not usually home this early and yeah. so you can see the supermarkets are gearing up and they're talking about all the stone fruit and, you know, all the things you're going to put on your pavlova and your summer desserts and, um, you know, it really is that whole Christmas, New Year, it's summer thing. And, of course, in that we get the end of school. So I, I do remember an American friend saying to me, the fact that you people finish school right at Christmas, you're absolute saddest that you would do that to yourself, that you give yourself all those all those jobs all at the one time, that at least when they finish school in the summer, that's it. They're not, you know, packaging Christmas presents and, you know, trying to do those holidays. So, yeah, it is quite frantic in Australia, I think, because we do have the roundup of all the end of year events as well we've only had a few christmases away but they would go in my top five those few christmases oh yeah and i mean yeah i particularly the one we had in qatar and we went to um we went to the four seasons and we were with a table of about you know 30 friends who all had kids the same age the food was phenomenal you know no one had to worry about driving cleaning up you know and cleaning up and uh everybody you know did the whole Kris Kringle and presents each and that 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 goes hands down as you know one of the best um but yes I it's I think I agree with you I think it's particularly tough at the moment because we feel like our choices are being taken away yeah look I I, I think so I and it's about what yeah I mean, it's Christmas and Christmas means different things to different people. Yeah. So, you know, some people dread Christmas for, for many reasons and some people really look forward to it and some people yes. are super Christmas people and some people are like, oh, it's just another holiday, you know, yes. I don't see the fuss. So, um, but, what will you do for Christmas? Well, <laughs> we went the other night somewhere, I'm trying to remember. Oh, we went to a, a drinks thing at school for our grade level and uh previously when we go into school event i said to my husband now you need to find someone we can invite to our house for dinner like that's your job tonight like find someone and yeah. he said to me now you need to find someone we can have christmas with uh, <laughs> he said to me when we went for dinner 
<laughs> because what we've done in the past in our other locations is we've always had done orphans Christmases. So, yes. you know, in the US we had this massive basement and we just put, do trestle tables and all the people who weren't going with family for Christmas would come to us and then all our neighbours after they had family would come over, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in, in Hong Kong we would rotate it between different people's houses and whoever was in town for Christmas and we'd do a big Christmas, et cetera. So yeah, I don't know what we're going to do this year. I was just thinking yesterday when I saw when we were at brunch, I saw the Christmas menu and I was thinking, oh, do I need to find somewhere for us to go? And then if we find other people to have Christmas with, yeah. we go together or – do we say we're going to have Christmas at home, which we often do, because for timing on calls to family and you don't want to miss out on that. Like, um, And if you have to be at a restaurant or somewhere at a certain time, then you want to make sure it still lets in all the calls you need to do home yeah. and everything. So, yeah, I, I'm 100% not sure right now, but um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks it will flesh out and I'll be able to share with everyone my Christmas plans. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nikki, did we make any bold statements last week? I think I was so exhausted uh, from my <laughs> couple of days at work. Um, but, yes, I um, and, and my bold statement this week, I think, was I, I would like to be able to recite every wine at the winery I'm currently working at and be able to tell you at least four bullet points about those wines. So that is my goal this week. I am well, going to learn every wine four bullet points and recite by Friday. And how many wines are there? I'd love to be able to tell you that, Nikki, but I can't. But there's a lot. Okay. <laughs> I, I haven't going to say, them. are we talking 400 bullet points <laughs> or are we talking 40? Like I was no, like, we how have many a lot of different labels. That's the problem. We have, right. yes, we have Persia Ringer and we have. Oh, I see. Okay, yep. Okay. Yeah. So yes, a lot. Like yeah, <laughs> we have a few. So yes, that would that's going to be mine. What about you? What's your bold statement? Well, hopefully week? next week you can share a couple with us and oh, just to show us I to will. show your knowledge. I will. I will. Um, okay. So my bold statement for this week is going to be about finding a tennis coach. So everyone knows who listens to the podcast. I played a lot of tennis in the US. I played yes. four days a week. I loved my tennis and I loved my teams. I loved playing. And then uh, in Germany, I had two frozen shoulders and that didn't really work for me from, from a tennis perspective. But now I've got my 100% rotation back in both arms and I'd really like to play tennis again. And what I have found is people are very protective about freaking tennis here. You talk to someone about tennis and they don't want it. They don't want to let you in. They don't want to expand on their their uh, tennis team or their tennis group or their the or I have the answer for you. <laughs> um I'm I'm going to introduce you to my friend Trish because I believe she she's the queen of the tennis organization in Copenhagen. That was her thing. <laughs> That she they started with a very small group and ended up with maybe I'm sure she used numbers like seventy people playing tennis by the end of her time there. I'm going to get you the inside invite, Nikki. If it's the last thing I do, I will oh, help because you I'm with desperate to start again. <laughs> just I just want to. I don't want to join a team. I just want to start hitting because I'm like yep. four years out. Like I need to. Just do some hitting and then then I by the summer I might be ready. Okay. But yes. Okay, good. I'm, send that well, I'm glad I right made that now. bold statement. Okay. Okay. 
Favourite things, Kirsty. What, what were your favourite things for this week? Oh, I see that we've doubled up on one. So we've obviously, That's okay. we've obviously <laughs> both loved Yellowstone. Um, so, Nikki, you may remember I was very not rude, maybe not mocking perhaps of my husband's <laughs> love of Yellowstone. And as far as I could see, everybody does talk like this and everybody does that. that and it's so, so over the top. But I have to say when I did see that it had come back on and you sent me a message saying Yellowstone season four <laughs> sort of thing, I thought, okay, okay. So I actually went back. And I revisited. I didn't watch everyone, but, you know, when you do the whiz through yep. one ep, yep, so that whiz through, yep, I remember what happened there, whiz through. So <laughs> I did that and I got myself ready that by, oh, it's only in the last couple of days that I've, I've watched them both. Episode one of season four is phenomenal, is it not? Like, It's amazing. It it's amazing. just, I haven't seen an episode of TV and I am not a shoot em up you know, sort of gratuitous <laughs> acts of violence sort of watcher, you know that. And I, I avoid yes. those things. And my big screen TV was just... It's just like people came out of their rooms and said, what are you watching? <laughs> because it's not usually mum's back to watch these things. But it was good. So, I mean, I would, I think you'd have to go back and watch, you know, start from season one, I think. But um, I enjoyed. Oh, yeah, you can't start watching now. No. But it's worth it to get to this episode. Yes. yes. Um, and everyone loves Beth Dutton, don't they? We oh, are. how can you not? Yeah. Beth Dutton is everyone's hero. Yeah. Heroine. Shiro. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty good. I think in real life she's English. I think. I think that's true. Yes, I don't know, but yes, yes, that sounds right. To yeah, me. yeah. Okay, so that's my number one. Number two is Love Life season two. Uh, I watch that on Stan here, so usually that means Hulu for you. I think season one you may remember was with Anna Kendrick, and it was yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, season two's out now, is it? Oh my gosh, Nikki, it's not often that season two is better than season one. No. Season two is so good. Season two, and I was watching thinking, who is that guy? And thankfully, Henry Hotdog walked past and said, oh, there's the guy from The Good Place. And it was like, that's who it is. Anyway, (laughs) he is amazing. There are many, many reasons why it is so much better. And And I loved season one. Same. I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and I I reckon I season one I blew through in a night uh, with my second daughter. But season two we have Marcus and Marcus is an African-American editor at a, um, a, a book editor and we they start off and I, I really promise I won't spoil anything but you start off with Marcus is married and so you think, well, how is this going to work? But what is really in- interesting <laughs> It's got to go bad first. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus is married to a white woman. And so there are all these fabulous discussions about Marcus being married to a white woman and then discussions that he has with black women about him being married to a white woman and how they feel about his marriage and the assumptions they make about him. 
I just found I, I found so much. I was thinking, who is the genius who wrote this? Because this is just so well written. And then we also have because he fits in with Anna Kendrick. They both met through Anna Kendrick and that's how. So, right. and, and the timing of it is absolutely brilliant. And the timing is in the episode where Anna Kendrick gets married. And so we're back in time. We're back in 2016. And this is how we then make our move all the way through to modern day COVID and relationships in that time, what it looks to be single in a household, the, the, choices you have to make because of COVID when you're single and who you're going to be with and who you'd start to really dislike because maybe they they keep going to yoga class and they keep putting themselves in positions that then make them very unattractive to you because you're in a pandemic and something you might have never thought of before. I loved this couple so, 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 so much, whoever it is that he might end up with or may not end up with because I don't want to wreck it, but there are scenes in it that are just so masterfully written. I just, it's one of the best scenes i watched all year, so I would thoroughly recommend it. And he is hot and he is tortured and he is fascinating. There's a brilliant scene where he's on magic mushrooms out in the um, country and he rings someone that will literally had me you know when you're laughing out loud at home on the couch you yeah. know it's good uh when you're doing that so yeah really really good now on magic mushrooms Kirsty. sorry oh. just it's kind of just the side thing is that kind of a thing in australia like people are doing a lot of mushrooms like is that like a an adult drug people were definitely doing a lot of mushrooms of choice. when i was a young person um i would have to ask my young people uh, no, I understand more adults, like in the mid-30s and oh, 40s. I don't know. I don't know about 50s. Yeah, I can't I'm say just, it, it came up at the uh, dinner party I was at on Friday night, nor at the parents' no, meeting I just, on Sunday. But <laughs> well, I've just been listening to a couple of podcasts from the US lately and people are quite open. Adults uh -huh. in their 30s and 40s are open about using mushrooms yes which, uh, uh, it's, it's a new thing to me i don't know right. like i i mean i'm of course yes i know people have done them and whatever with the whole micro dosing as well though well i mean I, I guess it's helps that there is research coming out that micro dosing is helpful for uh, things like ptsd and there yeah. is research into that and whatever yeah. but no these it's like people's like <laughs> this is their recreational time and yeah. and how they're creative and yeah, it was just I've just heard two or three podcasts lately and I'm thinking, how are these people not getting arrested? And like is it much more common and open and people talk about it a lot more and I'm just in Denmark where I don't know anyone, so that's why I'm not involved in the mushroom culture. <laughs> yeah, I promise you, you possibly wouldn't be in it if you were here either. <laughs> okay, so that was my number two. Sorry, thanks. And my yep. number three was definitely uh, the deal of picking up my son this week. That wasn't the best, best thing, picking him up, although it was a fabulous moment in time. But So my son's been away for five weeks and, and part of that program we talked about is he had to work his way up to, to running an 11K uh, run. Mm -hmm. He had to go and camp outdoors for 24 hours which they spoiler alert didn't get to do because they had horrendous weather and it was too dangerous to put them up on top oh. of the mountain so they did the five 
the five-hour hike up the top of the mountain and then they broke the news to them that they couldn't camp. And because they were all looking forward to it, like because I guess they build them up, build them up, build them up. Yes. That they all can't wait to do it. So they were, they were all very disappointed about that. But one of the things that they did too, because it's, you know, all this six, six days of the cycling tour and, you know, a hundred sit-ups and push-ups every morning and all this sort of stuff. And it, I have to say, I did focus a lot on, gee, he's going to be doing this massive, you know, he was surfing every, you know, few days and whatever. I guess what I hadn't factored in is the psychological stuff that comes with that and the fact that they were living as six boys in a cabin together where they did their own cooking, they did their own cleaning, they had to do all of their organisation. Every time they had to leave to go to something, like whatever they were doing for that day, they all had to leave together. You didn't leave anyone behind. So you became quite practised in I've got to quickly hurry up and pack my stuff and get my stuff ready because I'm going to make everybody else wait, do you know, and I mm. have to be thoughtful and conscious of how much mess I'm making here because everybody else is going to have to clean it up with me. And, you know, we had said to our son, because he wasn't really, really sporty, we'd said to him, look, your moment where you shine is going to be in the kitchen because you can cook and you can bake and you can clean and you can do all of those things. And uh, sure enough, it, it was. But one of the things they did was each um, week, maybe more than once a week, maybe every few days, they would have these meetings and they would have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a supervisor where they would talk about how they were going and how they thought everybody else was going. And one of the things they had to do was they had to do a, a stop, start, keep list for everybody they were living with. Stop doing this, start doing this, keep doing this. And everybody had to say one thing. And then they had to rate everyone one to six. And it was yeah, all about okay. yeah, <laughs> keeping it harmonious within the group and having very honest and open communication and all sort of run through the supervisor so it turns out the supervisor it was an expat kid who has come home and is now you know a teacher at the school he's a surf instructor he's still very well traveled I said to him so what are you going to do when you know school's out and you don't have to be back until February oh I think I'll go to Morocco you know and he'd been at lots of international schools he totally got the thing uh but he really really saw my child do you know like you know it doesn't happen very often I think yeah those with little children we spend the early days of our little children's lives at primary school and whatever explaining who our children are to teachers and mm. and thinking that they might care <laughs> <laughs> then they kind of get to middle school and we go, mm. You should be my email. <laughs> <laughs> but it's every now and again you get a teacher or a supervisor that you go, wow, you've actually taken the time. You really know my kid. You've listened to them. You know what to do. Anyway, sit down with Henry Hotdog and his supervisor who really – really says in the most generous and giving way, you know, Henry, because he's spoken to all the kids about him and said, you know, this is this is sort of genuinely what people feel and what they think and you're such a good bloke and, 
you know, you just got to give a bit more of yourself and because, well, now everybody knows you and they just, they really like you and, you know, you're such a born lady and just building him up. And then he said, I've never had therapy, but I've got a feeling this is what it might be like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you could tell he was so, so pleased with himself and it really was beautiful. But I guess my favourite thing this week was teachers and supervisors who really love their jobs and really look after our kids. And I know there's lots out there. We've got lots of expat teachers out there that listen to this that put so much into their work. And yeah, um, when you get a good one, they are worth a million bucks. Both uh, G and I have said whatever school fees we've paid this year Everything was worth it for that five weeks of camp of what it's given, what it's given Henry Hot Dog because it's just given him so so much. Um, so yeah, and, that's, and it's also that's, something that he's done that none of your other kids did too. Yeah, so it's like an extra special thing that he has now. That yes, yeah, you know, and, yeah, and a chance to he's he's made some new friends and yeah. Um, yeah, had some really uh, tough experience, but also learnt that maybe, maybe those kids that you thought were so confident that you only usually see Monday to Friday at school and in the you know superstar football team or doing whatever that when you get away with them for five weeks, you realise there's a lot going on in their lives that isn't perfect. Um, yeah, and those things only happen if you go you away and live with someone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great, it's a it's an amazing experience that he's yeah. got to have, and that it went so well. And but obviously, it's designed to go well. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, the going well isn't lucky. The going well is planned. Yes, the, the support and the process works. Obviously, the way they do everything and the supervision and the everything. So yeah, yeah it's obviously a tried and tested. Um, yeah, not experiment, but a. a formula that works well (laughs) yes yes um nikki tell me your three favorite things now obviously yellowstone is one of them yes yellowstone and beth dutton so good so good something i watched this week as well it's new on paramount plus i don't know whether the paramount plus seems to be launching all over the world now and i'm not sure where what's happening but anyway here it must be here because i heard someone on an australian podcast saying the other day i watched that on paramount plus anyway it's called the game and it's um the premise of the show is it's a new tv show it's about a new nfl team in vegas so which you can imagine i mean nfl is the big game you know i mean you know yeah i mean you you haven't followed an nfl team yourself Kirsty. yes but it's like it's so big and it's just so enormous and so and, and obviously having a team based in vegas would be hilarious because it's the two biggest things that you know big about america it would all really sort of all come together like that so the premise is there's going to be a new team based in las vegas um they 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 released two shows at once but the owner of the team is colonel so-and-so he's an old guy older guy older white guy and he's going to sell five percent of the team to a current black footballer because the NFL roster, the roster being the players, is 70% black players and there is no black ownership in any of the teams in the NFL currently. 
So this premise is that someone is going to, to one of the X players is going to buy 5% of the team, but then there's a twist in the plot, whatever. But the story is based around the footballer who's going to be the owner, his mother who is a football agent and her best friend's daughter and a couple of other people. And it's two episodes and it really takes that long to sort of draw all the characters out yeah. because in the first 10 or 15 minutes, like I watched it because it was a show about an NFL and I thought, oh, I'll have a go because you know, the NFL is big in our house. And and then I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to like this. But then sort of two-thirds of the way into the first episode, I was like, okay, this is a lot deeper than it first appears. And it first appears very superficial uh-huh. because it's NFL, it's Vegas, it's all very la di da di da But then actually they do all the character development for the – and then they need the two episodes to draw this whole character development because there are a lot of things that look like they're something and they're not. And, uh, yeah, no, I really, really liked it. I didn't recognise really any of the actors. There's a lot of black American actors in it, which is – great the only really white person is the owner of the team and yeah no it's it's a good show I'm gonna go definitely go back to it so that's good the third thing this week was something that I just I listened to and I felt so strongly about I immediately shared it on my personal Facebook and in my personal social media stuff um it's a podcast called Vibrant Lives and it's done by my friend Amanda who's somebody who I met in Hong Kong and now she lives in Adelaide um she's a lawyer turned nutritionist she's also an iron woman and I don't often listen to I mean I listen to the podcast but it's often about things that are just so out of my league I just have no (laughs) concept of them because there are nutrition based things but exercise things and all that kind of stuff she's quite quite an impressive person but she spoke to someone called Dr Tessa Opie who's the founder of In Your Skin. And I'm guessing you might have heard of her, Kirsty, because she seems to be someone who goes and speaks to um, schools. She's also a a professor at some universities in Australia, a part-time professor, et cetera. And she's a, a relationship, she does relationship and sexuality education, and she's an advocate for healthy and consenting relationships. And I just thought, you know, all of us who have children or have children in our lives, these are really important conversations and they're really, you know, you don't always remember the best way to have them and you don't remember why you're having them. And you, and you, But you know that you should have them and, you know, sex education gets done at school. Parents talk to their children about sex and sexuality and all sorts of things. But I just found it so important, you know, that, that there are, that you teach your children to advocate in a sex-based yes. environment. Definitely. They're advocating for themselves. Yeah. And and part of, you know, and some of the things, some of the things in this podcast just blew my mind. So so Tessa was saying that nine out of ten Australian teenage girls report not feeling equal to their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was shocked by that. But then when I thought about it, I thought, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But Why initially was I was shocked. Yeah. You know, like, and and there was one thing she reported this anecdotal evidence where she she gave this information to a grade 10 class and she said, you know, do any of you have any comments on that? And one girl said, well, I wonder who the one in 10 person is who feels that we are equal. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and that was like quite astounding to hear that. And it, it just was about... It just reiterated to me why wherever you are in the world that sexual health conversations with teens are so important. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course they rely, you can't rely on school and on friends. Of course you talk with your friends about it because they're the most important people in your lives. But parents still have a really important role to play. And the other thing is, is if you are 
globally mobile and expat move around, you don't know all the time what exactly your child has learned at school about what and when and where. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to sort of just pick up the conversation whenever you can. And she talked about, you know, talking from really little children from five up to sort of young adults who are in sexual relationships and talking about whether they feel safe in that relationship and whether they, you know, she talked about how pornography, if a teen doesn't know something about sex, they go to pornography, even though they know it's not real sex, mm. they find it somewhere they can go to look at something, a sexual yeah. act that they don't, they're not familiar with. Yeah. And she said, and that's really not the best, you know, no. <laughs> not necessarily the best idea. <laughs> and, you know, she talked about having a sexual readiness checklist that you have with, you know, you talk with someone about. So can you look someone in the eye and tell them what you want to have when you have sex? Like talk about safe sex and contraception, talk about mutual pleasure. Mm. And, you know, unless you can do all those things with someone and feel safe doing that, then you might not be ready to have sex with them. Mm. And another thing she talks about is that, you know, having all this information and having people feel confident and safe can delay their entry to you know, sexual relationships yeah. because they have the information about how they want to support themselves, etc. So I don't know. I just listened to it and it was just really one of those conversations where I was like, yes, this is really important. I mean, we talk to our kids about stuff, but I just thought it, it just raised so many good points all in one little podcast that, you know, yeah. if people want to listen to it, if they want to refresh or if they want to, you know, listen to someone talk about this kind of thing from an Australian perspective, because obviously it was done in Australia. And it made me think about, well, what is it in Denmark? What is it in Germany? What is it in the other places that we've lived in? And what's the normalisation of those things? So anyway, I was just really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I Look, would I recommend think, and I've, it. I've harped on this before about porn and I think, you know, so much with modern day porn of what our kids see is just frightening of and and not in yeah. gee it's frightening that they see porn it's frightening the terrible sex that is on porn that yes. has nothing to do with women having a good time nothing no and yes it's also mm. hard and fast and ouch and you go wow i really how do i and i mean i i say this stuff to my kids all the time and they to the point that they're like oh for goodness sake enough enough you know stop stop please through this we had this last night at dinner i went out with all four of my children last night and i'm you know now have three children who are over 18 son does like to tell all and everything about everything that's going on and i don't want to embarrass him but yet we were we talked about something he'd talked to me about and the girls were just like, ooh, like you might be all right to talk to him about that, but we definitely don't need to hear it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Obviously turned into when he said, well, it's not my fault you're not that open with mum and then somehow that this turned into a whole <laughs> women's rights and, um, you know, the, the, yeah, he, he would have quickly realised within three seconds that he'd gone down the wrong route, um, pardon the pun, but um, with my uh, daughters who were very quick to tell him why women weren't so fast to talk about what they were doing sexually with people because of the judgment and the misogyny and the embarrassment and whatever. So they quickly put him straight. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, welcome home, Henry. 
<laughs> but he must have loved it. It must have been so, so lovely to have oh, all yeah. your four children yeah, together for Yeah, it was dinner. beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The excitement uh, from them, I, I have to say, I think what the beautiful thing was the letter writing while he was gone was fabulous. Yeah. And the closeness he felt with them with the letter writing. But, yes, the pure joy and excitement of him being home and everybody going out to dinner and everyone climbing into the car to go and um yeah it it is lovely and like we all had a toast to sort of say nearly there there's only one more of us missing now and uh you know it's just awful for greg because he obviously sees the documentation of you know, and it gets everything secondhand. And, you know, even when you were, we, I rang him immediately when um, Henry was in the car or he rang us, you know, once we had reception. But it's still, you know, he's sort of yelling over the car phone and Henry's in the passenger seat sort of trying to, you know, yell back, you know, the answers and filling in the gaps. It's it's, it's not the same. So, yes, December. But the beautiful thing is... Um, Everyone will be home. Both the girls have got summer jobs, you know, down here where the beach house is. Um, the schedule's just gone up on the fridge of everybody's hours that they'll be working and what they'll be doing. And um, so we'll all be here. So, uh, yeah, we'll be well and truly sick of each other come the end of January, I would say. <laughs> but I did, I also thought it was lovely that your eldest daughter put up a photo on her Instagram and said he's home yeah. of of Henry yeah. and I, I sent you a message I was like he looks so much older he does having been away <laughs> he does he really does because I guess all that exercise his face is kind of thinned out yeah I don't know but he just yes. I was just like wow he looks so much older he just does. in five weeks and I swear his voice is deeper and I, I is that just a matter of all boys all hanging out with each other you know their voices all start <laughs> Locked home. <laughs> I don't know, but yes, he does. He feels far more grown up, but he's also incredibly appreciative of everything that gets done. You know, I put a couple of loads of washing on, and oh, oh, thanks, mum, thanks. Poor little bugger was back at work though today. Won't take long to <laughs> won't take long for that to wear off. Yeah. Oh, look at him back at work today. Gosh, gosh, well done, well trained children in your house. Okay, well, Kezi, great to chat to you. I'm so glad yes. he's home safely and same. that you've had a lovely reunion. Same. same. And um, w- this week I'll check out all the Christmas records in Copenhagen, and I'll tell you next week what they're like when you're telling us your four facts about one of the wines yes. at your winery. <laughs> yes. I will, I will. Okay, look forward to chatting next week. Okay, all right. Bye.